Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. And guys, training camp was awesome. I had such a good time out there getting to watch uh, everyone get after it. It was it was fun. I, I really did enjoy it. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting into this and talking about it. Uh, make sure for the rest of this week or for the rest of just any time you see a Lombardi post or you see the Niners post something, uh, keep a lookout for this gentleman standing in the back, standing up very tall. You can see him in a couple yeah. of these other people's videos and Lombardi's post that he's yeah. put out there and is in the background. I remember looking and trying to keep an eye out for him and we were watching some stuff before and I was like, oh, there's that man right there. So you can you can catch a look at, at Ant out there at training camp and uh, you know, tell him, tell Lombardi that the 49ers cutback sent you over and how you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I happen to be in the background. Uh, there was a lot of uh, 49ers faithful there. Everyone was excited to see what happened. And there were some interesting things that, you know, came out of training camp. And I'm looking forward to get into it because we started to see, you know, players kind of into their positions a little bit. Of course, you know, they're going through the motions right now. They're not wearing pads. Uh, they're getting really used to to doing the things that, you know, the install and going through their everyday drills, you know, and just getting accustomed to training camp again. But they're going to ramp this thing up here in a little bit, uh, and they'll get into pads in no, in no time at all. But there was some interesting stuff on the offensive line, and I did notice some things also about the, the defensive line, uh, you know, hand technique, and some of these guys are getting after it. And I was wearing uh, this shirt and this hat, uh, Brad, so that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was Ant indeed. 
Uh, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe if you have not already. Uh, hit that notification bell as well and, and let us know what you're most excited to see going forward because like you said, today was more of an install sort of day and a shocking turn of events and that first day going out there, going through some basics. You're not getting into as much team, as much 11 on 11 as you will a little bit further down the line and as you get into the pad situation. Now, I wasn't able to be there with you at camp today. But there were a lot of news that came out, and yeah. I was following along with updates from a lot of people as stuff was going on. So first and foremost, you have Javon Kinlaw cleared out there doing stuff, looking absolutely ginormous. Yeah, he is massive. huge. Uh, one of the biggest surprises last year when I got to camp was that, and then just the film video that I saw of Javon Kinlaw in a shocking turn of events that hasn't changed at all. You also had Mike McGlinchey, who apparently has stated he's been cleared, but is not practicing currently, so that... Changes things up on the old line and shuffles some things up. Daniel Brunskill, cleared to go. Apparently, Jason Brett not cleared quite just yet. Yeah, he's on the pup. He's on the pup currently. And then you also have Aziz Alshayer, who's been cleared and doing a lot better as well. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where I really didn't expect to see as much Javon Kinlaw, Mike McGlinchey, and Aziz Alshayer as we got. We actually got more of them. They were going through their everyday drills. You know, they were out there competing. It's just when we did team sessions, you didn't see them a part of it. But uh, they were out there, and they were practicing, and they were looking good. They looked like they were having fun. You could tell that this team is, is a pretty tight unit already, uh, and and I was really excited about everything. But, yeah, Javon Kinlaw looks healthy. He looks excited. He was out there dancing. Uh, when he was going through his drills, he was violent. I feel sorry for the guy that was holding the arm bags at one point where Javon Kinlaw absolutely crushed him in the face, uh, but he kept getting through it. It was it was really intense, and he looked pretty good. And those drills that they were going through with the defensive line, some of the hand placement ones and some of the ways they were using their swim moves, you know, just to move people around and still turning tight in tight quarters, it was fun. And I did pick up a lot of things out of that. Number one, Charles Aminihue is an absolute monster. Man, I loved watching his technique. His technique was on point. He was one of the best to do it. And then Kerry Hyder, if... I, had, I guess I had forgot because Kerry Hyder looked absolutely fantastic. And in short area quickness, he looked good as well. I thought both of those guys really stood out. And of course, you know, you know, Bosa and Armstead are going to do their thing. But I those two guys really stood out. And uh, we started to get an idea, too, of who's going to be in that Arden Key role. As we saw Charles Amenehu working, you know, predominantly with Ebucom, with Armstead, and with Bosa. Um, that wasn't the base set, but that was definitely the next set that they were working on when they were working on their stunts and just overall getting into their gaps. Uh, number one, Ant, when we talked and you let me know, Kerry Hyder looked phenomenal on the yeah. D line. It was like, okay, well, number one, it should come with no shock and no surprise because he's back with Chris Kisarek, and this is what happens when he's in San Francisco or with Chris Kisarek at the helm as a coach. He just plays at a different level. He's a different type of player. So that shouldn't surprise anybody. That being said, though, that does change some things because we were thinking maybe more on the interior. And he it sounds like from what you were telling me, he was exclusively outside. And many he was the one bouncing around, which not a surprise at all. But that maybe maybe that means they're going to shift and change the way that they're trying to build this D-line out and what his role may be. Maybe Kerry Hyder is the next guy behind a Samson Ebucom or a Nick Bosa on certain down situations and pass rush sets if they need a guy coming off for a breather or even on run sets. Yeah, it looked like they were working on Kamoko Ture and Kerry Hyder on the outsides. Uh, as on the second team, while in many he was working in the sub package with Bosa, Ebucom, and Armstead. And then at one point when Armstead and, uh, you know, when that group was coming out, Bosa and Ebucom came out, that's when they threw in Kerry Hyder. I think Hyder is the first guy in right now for Nick Bosa, the way that the the way that they're going through their rotation. Uh, and then a lot of the interior guys, you know, are were rotating through, and some of those guys were doing a very good job, and some of those guys, 
you know, were, were learning. You could tell there was some learning uh, curve going there, but they were also working in Drake Jackson as well. He was right behind Kerry Hyder, and there was even times where he was on the outside of Kerry Hyder, shadowing Kerry Hyder. So they were definitely working on that. I thought he looked pretty good out there. He looked fast. Um, but that defensive line was getting after it. They were getting, they were probably the most intense group, of course, early on in practice and it carried on. And then, you know, at some point, Javon Kinlock kind of backed off. It went an hour and 15 minutes of practice. And I would say the defensive line worked the hardest out of any group. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty fun thing to watch. I was, I was excited about the hand placement on some of these defensive linemen and just the explosiveness. And Nick Bosa looks ridiculous, by the way. Um, this is not like last year where they were working him in slowly. He was out there and he was doing his thing. And when they were going through these, uh, drills, he, he was getting after it. And that's a huge thing for the 49ers because last year there was that kind of buildup to what he was going to be and what he was going to be looking like for fans who were anxious and hadn't been able to see the 49ers in person coming off of the COVID year. Um, you get there and you're excited to see Nick Bosa going through team stuff, team activities, and he's just doing some of the basics, and that's what it was. And then a lot of stretching and a lot of rolling things out and a lot of working on things on a side field away from the team. So it's like if I want to watch Nick Bosa, I can't watch the rest of the football team. That's infuriating. Not so much this year. Nick Bosa doing things out there with the group, which means you get a better idea of what this group looks like in its entirety from Nick Bosa down in that front four, which is great for the 49ers. It's also great for Gerald Tapp and Chris Kassar going forward because a healthy Nick Bosa able to work in with these guys allows you to test and try things out. Whereas last year, remember, we weren't able to get that early in the season. They weren't able to test out those sub packages. And so that beginning of the season, they didn't have that rotation with Arden Key yet. They didn't have their personnel groups that they wanted to have because – you didn't have Nick Bosa in there. You didn't know how to necessarily mix and match this group to get them to play at their best in their peak for four quarters throughout the game in different different settings, different situations. You get to do that from start to finish right now in preseason, and hopefully by the time you get to week one, it's all dialed in, and we get 17 games of dominance hand. Yeah, and it was probably, I seen it get brought up, was surprised they released to Ford. Uh, Rob said, owing him as much dead money as we do. You know, it was, it was pretty much, I just left the, the stadium left Levi's when I got the notification on my phone that D Ford had been released, you know, that they'd come to an agreement. And then we know that because of that, the 49ers saved $1.12 million this year. You know, they are going to incur $5.88 million in dead cap space uh, this year, dead cap next year at $5.88 million. They're spreading that 11 point whatever million that is over two seasons. Um, so is it optimal that you're going to have that? No, uh, but in the, in this case they saved a little over three million over the next two years and d ford wasn't going to be able to make this roster that back was just not going to hold up so that's a little bit of you know something that happened there um so now i'm i'm expecting to see you know continual moves as we move forward but uh it was not also nice seeing debo samuel out there i know there was a question about trey so we'll have to get into that as well look there this it seems like day one of training camp this year ant was a a, a training camp full of answered questions i mean a lot of questions got answered d ford what is that scenario well yeah. We know what it is now. He's he's gone. He's out of here. Uh, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle and Lynch have basically come out and stated this is Trey's team. Trey is QB1. Ant Trey was taking QB1 reps out there. Trey was doing the brunt work of the QB1 work. And Jimmy Garoppolo was coming in, getting his physical, getting past all that good fun stuff, doing his activity warm-up, and then going home before practice even officially begins Jimmy is definitely getting traded. I don't think yep. there's any doubt in anyone's mind at this point. If you no. had any kernel of doubt, it can now be safely put away and all the eggs can go into the Trey Lance QB1 basket. Yeah, I mean, basically Kyle Shanann said it, you know, when Grant Cohn asked him about it, he said, you know, if I could think of a situation, yeah, I could come up with a situation, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. You know, he's not going to be on this roster. So 
I mean, the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation as far as uh, what's going to happen at practice, I think we can kind of leave behind. We don't have to get into that anymore. And now we can talk about the players on the field until he's traded, and then we can discuss it. Um, but I think Trey Lance looked good today. Trey Lance came out there and did exactly what he's supposed to do. Now, I'm not going to be over the moon about it. I'm not going to go crazy um, because it was real scripted. It was real easy. He was going through his warm-ups. Um, but he looked confident. He was, you know, stayed after practice and worked a little bit with Brandon Ayuk. Awesome. And he was making some good throws there. His motion stayed consistent throughout practice. I didn't see any changes as he was going through, you know, 11 on 11s from what he was doing in warmups. The arm level was the same. Like, those were things I was looking for. He looked good. He also, you know, ripped off a nice uh, read option along the side uh, that looked really good as well. So he had himself a really good day. Um, but let's remember that this was supposed to be a really good day for everyone because it was an hour, it was an hour and 15 minutes of really light install. Get used to going through everyday drills, break back into playing football. Yes. This is the rest day. This is your get it out. Let's get it out of the system. Uh, let's, let's not go out there and have a bad day. Let's not have the, you know, inconsistencies or bad habits start creeping up. Let's get ourselves back into rhythm, back into momentum, understanding what we're in here to do our business, how we're going to go about doing our business. You know what, what that initiation yeah. looks like. Um, this is that feel out day. If you're a veteran, you hate these days. These are the worst days. These are, these, these are your least favorite of, of things. Like you hate this. You're like, Oh God, we're doing this again. We're going through I, I get it coach. I've been in the league for eight years. Like I know, I know what's going on. But at the end of the day, you have new rookies. You have, you have young guys coming in. You have a quarterback who's going to be starting at this position who has started a handful of games for your team and a handful of games over the last few years. You have to establish this routine and this rhythm and getting them in, knowing what they need to be doing every day, what their job is, what their task is, how to warm up, how to prepare yourselves, um, how to get yourself ready to, to start every practice. And then going through and ramping it up as the week goes along, uh, there's a reason you don't come out even at the professional level and, and just slap the pads on and go full go right away. You build up to it. We're in the building phase right now, and by the time we get to this weekend and next week, it'll be the exciting part of football, the actual football playing and with pads and hitting and all that stuff that goes with it. Yeah, we're getting to that. And one of the interesting things that came out of this was, and I know a lot of people wanted me to watch the offensive line, so I did the best I could to pay as much attention to what Chris, Chris Furster and that group was doing. And right off the bat, the thing that was the most interesting was Daniel Brunskill was splitting snaps with Jake Brendel. Um, that is that is for sure a competition. It's going to be Brendel versus Brunskill. Um, that is clear. Now, I heard a lot of and seen a lot of reports as I was on my way back, you know, about Spencer Burford getting the first team snaps at right guard. We have to take into account part of the reason he's getting first team reps at guard was Jalen Moore was playing right tackle in place of Mike McGlinchey because, of course, he's going to be working and coming back from the injury. So I don't know if Burford is ahead of Moore at right guard, um, but I would guess right now that those two guys are going to be in a consistent uh, battle. And you still might have Daniel Brunskill get back into that. It's just right now, they're really comfortable with Brunskill at right guard. He doesn't need those reps. He needs reps at center. So him and Brendel going and getting those snaps, it's going to be fun to watch. But yeah, Daniel Brunskill versus Jake Brendel appears to be the battle um, that we've all been waiting for. And who's going to come out ahead? I don't know. Uh, both look pretty good today. Um, and so the offensive line is one of those interesting things because, yeah, uh, we had a rookie taking uh, first-team snaps. Look, at the end of the day, um, putting Jalen Moore at right tackle and putting uh, putting Spencer Burford there at right guard, it doesn't scare me, um, especially if Daniel Brunskill is going to be your starting center. Now, if Jake Brendel is your starting center and those are still, still the two guys you're rolling with, then I got big questions about what Daniel Brunskill is to this football team. And 
you know, we're either going to get really lucky with Spencer Burford pick or, uh, you know, we're in a bad spot. We're, we're not in a great spot. That's the reality of the situation. So the fact that we have that split going on and that competition going on makes me feel better because, like I said, I wasn't convinced about Brendel. I, I really wasn't. So when you and I started talking, you were letting me know, hey, Brendel's Sharon. Sharon snaps with Brunsgill. Yeah. McGlinchey not rolling with the team. He did some stuff, but not doing stuff with the team. It's like, okay, cool. So you're easing McGlinchey in. We probably won't see him doing much of anything in preseason games. They're going to let Jalen Moore get as many right tackle snaps as humanly possible. Let let Spencer Verford get probably as many right guard snaps as humanly possible. Maybe there'll be some flipping that goes on. We saw some flipping last year with McKivitz and Tom Compton. So maybe we see something similar to that after a few weeks of time and they've established themselves. But I really want to see how those two settle into those two roles, and then what that does for Justin Skule and Colton McKivitz, because both of them have to be sitting there watching those two on the other side going, well, I'm so, I, mean, I could I can possibly fill in over there as well. That competition now across the O-line is going to extremely heat up until Brunskill Brendel gets decided. Here's the question for you. You saw good things from both guys today. That's today. We still got a long way to go. Do you expect this decision to get made before we get to that third preseason game, or is this something that's going to play out all through the preseason? Yeah, I think they're going to figure this thing out, you know, towards the end. I think someone will assert themselves in this role at some point, but it's not going to get figured out, especially until they get pads. You know, once they're out there and they're ready to get after it. But I did watch a lot of their techniques, and a lot of their techniques were on point. These guys were definitely working on their footwork and working on their hand placement. They worked on it pretty consistently for a while. So I kept checking in on them. It's hard because you got things going on over here. I'm trying to watch the running backs. I'm trying to watch the D-line and secondary all the while, I'm trying to keep an eye on this offensive line. So I would pick certain guys, you know. So if Schluter's going through reps, I'm picking somebody over, you know, I'm watching a running back over here. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm sorry, I can't do that all the time. But I was trying to watch everyone I could, especially Brendel, Brunskill, Spencer Burford. I watched Nick Sakel some too. Um, he's definitely developing as a left guard. That's where he was taking all of his snaps was at left guard. So I think that's his role um, for right now. I think he's behind uh, Aaron Banks. Now, the one person that jumped out a little bit with his athletic ability getting to second level in the early on in the some of the sessions was Skule. Uh, Justin Skule looked pretty good getting to second level, making those blocks. It was nice to see him moving with quickness, um, but I thought he looked good. I watched Banks. Banks looked a lot better than last year. Really this good. is not the same Aaron Banks that we saw last year in training camp. This guy is drastically different from body to skills to technique to understanding his role in this offense. He just looked way more comfortable than he did last year. And that's great news. Um, yeah. Now, granted, I, we can't judge it too much until you see him out there with the live pads and then going through some live situations, some scripted stuff. And Tom Adams, welcome to the TCC. Yeah. Thank you for that subscription. Um, but at the end of the day, you want to see this at least on, on the, the first day of the week, right? The day that's scripted so that everyone looks good, everyone's going through some stuff, has some moments to shine, some learning curve stuff, get back in your routine and rhythm. You want to see guys taking st- steps towards growth, right? Trey taking steps towards growth. Um, I saw a lot of video of him today rolling out, getting out with play action, doing a lot of stuff, throwing on the run, the hip flip. I watched our motion, all this other stuff, and I'm like, okay, I mean, nothing looks worse. I wouldn't say anything looks drastically better, but there are times where that three-quarter release, you see it. You see the ball coming out. You see it getting to its target. I'm not hearing or seeing reports of Trey Lance completely overthrowing guys. And it's like, okay, so, I mean, it seems like all the steps in terms of progress that they've taken with these guys has worked out. Trey Lance's steps in progressing and doing the things he needs to do to get better as a quarterback, he's done. It's showing uh, on the field in performance. 
You know, Aaron Banks, it's showing on the field in performance. Mike McGlinchey just taking care of his body. It's showing the fact that he is actually able. He is cleared for activity and after tearing the quad off the bone yeah. is absolutely credible in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was coming back from an injury that not all people make it back from. No. And he's back and he's healthy and he you know he's ready to go. He looked good out there. Um, he was moving pretty good with what he was asked to do, but he wasn't asked to do everything that you know everybody else was doing. But we saw the same things with Bosa and those guys last year, and they slowly worked them in, and that's what they're gonna do with this offensive line. But I like the fact that we had a lot of young players that were out there and contributing to practice. You know, we even saw Jason Poe going through the rotation. I watched him a little bit. Um, he's got a tremendous amount of athletic ability. But the size difference is drastic when you see him compared to everyone else. How does he, how does he look next to Kinlaw? Uh, he, he does not look big um, <laughs> because Jason Poe is about the same size as me. And I do not look anywhere near big next to Javon Kinlaw. That guy is monsters. I stood next to Mike McGlinchey last year. I remember uh, that. And Mike McGlinchey Large. just towered over me. He Large. made me feel so small. Uh, so those dudes are, are really good. Uh, so I, I saw I was watching footage of Ken Law getting out there. He wasn't dancing, but he was getting a little hype there as he was coming out. I did see started. some dances from him. I, yeah. I, I heard that. I heard he was dancing, having a good time today. But I, I saw I saw him going up and standing next to the linebacking core, even next to Armstead. And while he doesn't make Armstead look tiny, Armstead doesn't look huge next to Javon Kinlaw. Yeah. Ar He's big. Yeah. And he ain't Javon Kinlaw. No, they're big. like the same height. And, yes. and, and then you look at Kinlaw and you're like, Dude's like, oh, is that your older brother? Because he's got like all the mus you know, muscles and stuff. Um, the one thing I, I did want to go over a little bit too is I watched a lot of the defensive backs. They were working out right in front of me for a lot of the practice. So I got to watch some of their hips, some of their, you know, the way they were going through their techniques. Some of the guys' techniques are on point. Emmanuel Mosley's technique was phenomenal. Tarverius Ward, of course, phenomenal. Those guys were getting after it. And then I noticed some, you know, some other defensive backs that, that had little struggles that I seen them working on. Um, I did see uh, Leon O'Neill struggling a little bit with the hips, still flipping and running with it. Kadar Holman uh, struggling a little bit with some of the, when he had to plant and drive to go towards the, you know, towards the football, he was struggling a little bit with his footwork. So there was guys working on stuff. And then a lot of the players looked really good. Dante Johnson looked fantastic. Uh, Dante Johnson was pulling Quantrez Knight and some of those guys aside and yeah. just talking to them and helping them, you know, work through some things. Uh, so overall, the veterans were doing a good job with the young players, but there's just so much talent on that secondary. It's pretty ridiculous. And I'm going to tell you right now, George Odom, don't sleep on him. His fluidity in his hips and the way he was moving um, was, I mean, was top level. This guy is on that level with Tarverius Moore and those guys as far as athletic ability and the way that he was moving out there. He looked comfortable, and he looked solid. I, I liked it a lot, and I do stand by my Taylor Hawkins and Leon O'Neal's uh, status after watching Hawkins. Uh, Taylor Hawkins before Leon O'Neal? Yeah. There we go. And so I think there. Leon's a great dude. Don't get me wrong. I think he's just learning how to play NFL football, and it's tough. And if, if this was 10 years ago, he would be one excellent strong safety in the league, but the way the league is going to left and right guys is just a little bit different. Uh, so look, I, I think that's very intriguing. The George Odom looking as good as, as he looks and is look good. doesn't surprise me in the slightest. And maybe it means that that DB, that safety room isn't as locked up as people think it is for Talano Hufanga. If he looked that good out there today. Hufanga looks great, though. Um, he does with, look great. With all that being said, Hufanga yeah. looks, Hufanga's right. improvement from last year is drastic. Okay, that's that's huge because his, his improvement from week yeah. one of the preseason to the end of the season was drastic. Talano Hufanga looks the part. Uh, everything he was doing as far as his, his hips, the way he was flipping them, the way he was driving on the football, 
uh this is his command of understanding where he's supposed to go and where guys are supposed to be who fonga looked like a seasoned veteran that has gotten so much better and i purposely watched to see how much he looked like more explosive and he looked good so i think who is going to be tough to beat but i'm watching tarverus more and an odom and i'm like oh okay those guys are good too this is gonna be exciting, so, so let me ask you this then how much better do you feel about the safety room this year than last year because i think last year outside of the two guys we had and maybe Talano Hufanga, we felt all right. Is this group right now better than last year's group at the start of training camp? Yeah, I think depth-wise, one to four yeah. it is because, you know, last year we had to bring in HaHa Clinton-Dix. We had to bring in other guys because there was injuries there with Lonnie Jefferson, yep. you know, and, and guys like that. This Tart was down early as well. Right. This safety room is better than it was last year as far as depth. I'm excited about that safety room. I think it's going to be a competition. I think – Hufanga is the leader in the clubhouse, but just don't sleep on those other guys. I tell you right now, they're get, they're getting after and they're working hard, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens when we start hitting, and these guys can actually go through the coverages and actually you know come up on these receivers and make plays because I think that's when someone like an Odom can shine. Right now, we're just seeing them go through the motions, you know, make their reads, and then go to the proper receiver, um, but you're not really seeing them absolutely drive on it. The one thing I will say, though, remember we talked about the Kyle Shanahan throwing the football? He was throwing again when they were going through their drops for their zone coverage, and Leon O'Neal gave up a big-time touchdown pass um, from Kyle Shanahan to another, to an, I don't even know, a coach or something. Uh, yeah, they were getting after O'Neal a little bit. It was pretty funny. That's bad, eh? <laughs> That's really bad because on a scale of uh, a scale of one to ten in terms of hang time on that pass, how much hang time did Kyle Shanahan get on that ball? He actually got it on a pretty good rope. Oh my! Okay, it was it was Kyle right. Shanahan's best pass of the last two, two seasons. Two, two, the yeah. Last two training camps. All it right, was man. his best. He tried to whip one the next play to the to the sideline, and uh, he undershot it yikes. and put it at the guy's feet. Uh, but yeah, Kyle was out there trying to sling it. So I mean, he's always, he enjoys slinging it, man. He I think really does. I think Leon O'Neal just. I mean, he just got caught looking at Kyle was looking him off and he just got caught, you know, because you know it is you're like going through the motions and yeah. then he whipped it. It's just funny. It just it, funny. It, it's funny, you, but you, you yeah. can't be letting your coach look you off it and get you off your spot mm -hmm. and, and then drops. Yeah. You, can't, you can't be doing that. You yeah. got responsibilities. No, that was probably probably Kyle's best throw he's ever had in his career. So he's retired. He's even retired tomorrow. He'll come out and uh, just retire. I don't think so. He no. enjoys those sessions. So. I mean, he does. He, he's a big fan. Yeah. He's a big fan of those. Ant, did you see Verrett from D-Will? I did not see Jason Verrett there. Um, normally, uh, last year we would see him, like, you know, do the practices and stuff in front of us, but uh, he's on PUP, so he's not going to be out there. He's not going to be – we're not going to see him. Uh, so I didn't see Verrett. I didn't see Kalia Davis uh, was another guy, and I didn't see Charlie Warner because, of course, he's on PUP as well. I forgot about that. Um, so I didn't see any of those guys out there. Um, the, the closest we got to a guy that, you know, we didn't expect to see out there was Debo Samuel. True. Debo was running along the, you know, the sideline. I know Lombardi put up a video of that, of him actually running. Well, then later on, he came out when they were working on uh, special teams and, a, and then a, a little bit of 11 on 11 on the other side. Uh, he came out and was catching passes from somebody. It wasn't one of the normal quarterbacks, but he was just doing some, you know, some basic work. I think just to stay in shape. I mean, he looks good. He looks in good shape. He looks in playing shape. Um, and, and he was just out there working it. Well, which is really good. That's a good thing to hear. Yeah. And look, I know there's some people who are very disappointed to hear that Debo wasn't going to be practicing today and you know may not be practicing for the first part of this training camp session, the first part of this this first week of training camp. Uh, but the reality is, is they're working on getting that deal done right now. And it sounds like it's going to be sooner rather than later 
per what Kyle's talking about, what per what Lynch has been saying, and just a couple other talking heads and talking people around the league, it seems that there's a consensus that this thing is going to get done, hopefully, by day one of Pats. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, they're motivated to get yes. this done. They want to get, you know, Debo Samuel, you know, back integrated into the offense. The offense definitely will look better once he's there. Of course, you weren't seeing a lot from the offense today as they were running a, a lot of, you know, two tight end sets and and things like that. They were, they were running a lot of motion and moving different guys around. Um, so I, I did have fun watching, you know, the George Kittles and Troy Fumagallis and, uh, you know, all those guys getting done. Ross Dwelly, you know, it, it was fun to watch and they were making some plays. But, yeah, with the Debo Samuel thing, it, it'll get done. And when it gets done, you'll integrate him back in. And as long as it happens during the next, you know, two and a half weeks, um, I think he'll be ready to go when the season starts. So here's the other question that Ant, you just brought up two tight end sets. And I got to know, I got to know if it's two tight end sets, Ant. What what was going on with two tight end sets? What were the pairings? What do they look like? Yeah. Number one, and then number two, outside of George Kittle, because we know George Kittle looked obviously fantastic in everything that he does. Who's the next best tight end that that stood out today for you? Yeah, Ross Dwelly was the second guy in. Okay. Ross Dwelly was taking second team reps, uh, which we kind of expected. It would have been Charlie Warner if he wasn't on pup. True, but now it's Ross Dwelly, and then after that, uh, it was Tyler Croft and Fumagalli, and then of course Jordan Matthews was out there making plays. Him and uh, and that was the thing he was making plays. I, I watched Tyler Croft on purpose uh, just to see how he was doing. He was looking good. He presents himself nice um, to the quarterback. He's a big target. I thought he looked good at times, uh, but he was definitely running with that second and third team. And uh, Jordan Matthews was the one that was making plays, you know, catching the football. He had one on an out pass where he caught it, uh, an out pattern. He caught the ball, got upfield really fast. He looks, even though he's over 230 plus pounds, he still looks like a wide receiver when he's running routes. And then he caught a slant and he took it about 40 yards up the field and he was looking dynamic. It was enough to get George Kittle to come up and, and, and hip bump him and, you know, jump in the air and all that. Um, they were pretty excited about it. And uh, Jordan Matthews looked pretty good in the receiving game, which doesn't surprise anyone. The question is, is he going to be able to block? And we're not going to know that until they get on, get pads on Correct. Uh, and have to go against these linebackers and defensive edge rushers, you know, that he's going to have to block and seal and uh, trap and kick out and all that. And, and that's when we'll really know if Jordan Matthews have an opportunity to make this team. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the reality is blocking is the area area that that is questionable that is yeah. question marks surrounding for jordan matthews so when he does what he's supposed to do, it's a receiving thread it's like okay great cool let's figure out the rest of it and that's going to take a little bit of time so he's got to take advantage of these moments right now early right put a lot of good highlight big stuff in in people's minds and your coach's minds right now with no pads about technique form all that fun stuff and then what you can do with the ball in your hand and then hopefully it looks good enough to help you sneak onto this 53-man roster. Jordan Matthews, we all really like you. I would, I would love it if he found a way to sneak onto this roster. Yeah, as a person, I mean, he's fantastic. You know? Absolutely. And he looked good running routes. Everything looked comfortable for him. He looked good playing off ball. He played off ball some, you know, go. going in motion and doing those things. So uh, that, that was definitely good to see from him. Uh, very true, Ant. Very, very true. Uh, Mr. Corey, did you guys already talk about Spencer Burford? Yes, Ant brought up the fact that Burford was running with the first team at right guard. Did point out and mention most likely the reason for that is Jalen Moore playing, taking first team reps at right tackle because McGlinchey didn't do a lot of team stuff today. Did a lot of in, did did individual stuff, did his EDDs, all that fun stuff, did individual drills, just did not do the team activities in terms of install and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean McGlinchey's definitely the number one tackle, but they're letting Jalen Moore spin at that spot. 
Uh, so we'll see what happens, you know, tomorrow. Will it be Jalen Moore getting those right guard reps? You know, will he be still at right tackle? Will, Sp will Spencer Burford still get those right guard reps? Uh, Burford's technique looks good, though. The dude is solid. And I think going back to what, you know, I said way back, uh, potentially he could start at right guard. I remember saying that. And then it seemed like it kind of got caught up in the wash. Like, this isn't a possibility. Um, we'll see, though. I, I think that Jalen Moore's still going to have an opportunity to beat him out. I think that's a tough thing, and we still don't know what's going to happen with Daniel Brunskill. No idea. Uh, because Brunskill's at center right now, but will he come back to guard? The really cool thing was a lot of really good technique from these guys. You can see an improvement from them in college till now. They've all been working hard. Uh, you see the guys that have translated to inside definitely working on, you know, how far the depth in their kick slide, you know, what they need to do on these combo blocks, pushing up to second level, being able to get on these linebackers. A lot of them look tremendously athletic. And one thing I was looking for when I was there was so much of them getting to that second level, but knowing who to get. So um, there were some of the guys I would watch them and they were running by people because they didn't understand what they were doing in the scheme or which guys they were supposed to get. But we saw other guys really coming coming through, and that's why I brought up Skule earlier. He definitely knew what to do. But I saw Burford getting out there and locating defenders that he was supposed to block and then still being able to cut them off. That's huge, man. That is absolutely gigantic. It has to get done. Um, it isn't just about getting up to your spot. It's about getting up to your spot and picking up who you're supposed to pick up, understanding that scheme, that philosophy, what your rules are, what your responsibilities are, and then going out and executing said rules and responsibilities. Um, some questions here from Brad and a couple other people about Sermon and the running back group. Did you get yeah. a chance to look at any of the running backs? How did Sermon look? I did. I watched them, and I purposely watched uh, Trey Sermon. I thought Sermon looked a lot better than last year as well. He That's has cool. continued his advancement. Uh, one thing that he did better than I've, I've seen him do the entire time I've watched him on film at training camp last year throughout the season is he was receiving the ball at a, at a high level. He That's was catching really the ball, getting a field. You can still notice the athletic ability, you know, the difference between him, uh, you know, and Jamichael Hasty, him and Jeff Wilson Jr., um, you know, him and Elijah Mitchell. You can tell he's a step slower than them. Even TDP looks a step faster. Uh, but he had a couple of runs during practice where he he made a nice cut, got upfield, and got positive yardage. So Trey Sermon definitely has improved so far. We'll see what happens when you know pretty soon they're able to get their hands on him. Uh, but his vision looked better, and he looked. Like he he was more determined uh, to get that foot in the ground and get upfield, which I thought was nice. The running back room overall looked good. Uh, TDP looked good uh, running the football. I I did not have as high a praise for him right now as I did like Elijah Mitchell last year. Um, but I do think that TDP looked good. I thought Jeff Wilson Jr. looked absolutely fantastic. Him and Elijah Mitchell catching the ball in the backfield. I mean, you're talking smooth. They were on Jamichael Hasty levels, and it went when they were going through the drills. It was Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jamichael Hasty in that order. Um, and they all look good catching the football, except Jamichael a couple times dropped balls for taking his eyes off. But um, it's it's a really good group overall. You can see the different different skill sets and balances and at times they had opportunities to make plays, but I was really just watching the vision. There was a couple times backup a backup offensive line could not handle backup defensive line. Shock. And TDP got hit before the ball even got to him. Yikes. I mean, it was he it was really tough. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a fun practice to watch. And some people may go, oh, guys, what does that say about our depth at the line? Oh my gosh, no! I mean, I think it speaks more about the depth you have on the opposite side yeah. with your second team D line than anything else. So I'm not going to knock the second team group. And if in all honesty, it all it just means is, is that that O line, the second team O line, is not going to get a break. They're not going to get 
um, you know, an easy look or an easy rep. They're going to have to work for everything, and that's actually going to make them better in the long in the long term, right? Down the road here, by the time we get to the end of end of training camp, this group top to bottom will be much better than they were when they came into training camp. Yeah, you know, and Gary's asking about Jordan Mason, and you know, Jordan Mason was he was filling it out. You know, he's he's figuring it out. Uh, but he was not showing out compared to the other guys right now. We'll see what happens when he gets more opportunities and more reps. Sure. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I'll I'll keep a better eye on Jordan Mason uh, tomorrow. Like I'll I'll make that a focus of one of the guys to focus on. There was a lot to focus on, and I was really intrigued by what was going on with the offensive line. Uh, just seeing Spencer Burford being on the inside uh, definitely got my attention. So I did pay a lot of attention to the offensive line. Um, the running backs a little bit, but there were some things going on around that were catching my attention. And some of it had to do with the D line, which we know is a huge battle. And then the offensive line. So trenches dominated a little bit that, and of course, keeping my eye always on Trey Lance just to see what's going on. Um, but it, Trey, Trey Lance was handling business the best way he could. Uh, very true. Uh, very true. Look, I'm excited to see, to hear more about this and, and hopefully be able to get out there one of these days. Ant, I would absolutely yeah, love it to get out there and, and see this team in person myself. Uh, did Ant talk about Ray Ray? I had to go do something. I'm wondering if I missed it. Um, any any news on the receivers other than Debo? We we know what's going yeah. on with Debo and what's happening there. Did that receiver look? Did anyone stand out or impress? Uh, not named BA or you know a name that people are familiar with, Juwan Jennings. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you know Ray Ray McLeod looked good. He made a couple of plays. Um, also, when they did kickoff return, he looked really fast. You know, doing that. Yeah. Um, Ray Ray looked yeah. good in those situations. There wasn't a lot of opportunities dialed up to. The wide receivers today there was a lot of check downs to running backs and then also you know completions to tight ends uh that was what a lot of what the quarterbacks were doing today it was nate sudfeld and trey lance both doing that they were you know they were trying to find something big and then uh you know if they didn't have it then they checked down there was one big play down the field um but besides that there wasn't a lot of plays you know but um some guys were making making plays but it wasn't the big time guys because <laughs> unfortunately that defense is ridiculous and Emmanuel Mosley uh, knocked, you know, both passes down that went his way. He was not have, playing with anyone. And it didn't feel like they even tried Tarverius Ward. Um, <laughs> he was just out there. And, I mean, that dude is a dog. Uh, that that first-team defense is, is really rough. That defensive line gets after it. So there's not a lot of opportunities for these other guys. But, uh, yeah, they, they, were, they were making some plays when they had the opportunity. And, look, at the end of the day, this is what you're hoping for this season. You have Trey Lance, who is coming in and, and is green. I mean, he's entirely green. This is a new process. This is a new experience. This is his first time at the helm. Uh, you know what I don't want in his first year, Ant? Him torching our defense, because that means we're not a good football team. Or it means he's a phenom, but the reality is we haven't seen that from Trey. Yeah. I expect there to be growing pains more so than him to come out and just dominate early. So I want him to get kind of beaten down here early. I want him to understand who he's facing on the other side. I want this defense to be one of the best defenses in the league. I, I truly do. And you know what? As the year progresses and, and we start to get more comfortable and familiar, we'll get there. He'll get there. He'll start to understand the things he can take, the, you know, the areas and situations he can do and, and what risks he can take. Let's not forget the 2019 training camp. The reports coming out of it were Jimmy Garoppolo looked bad. This, you know, he did, was not playing well. The offense had no rhythm. He had the practice where he threw five picks. I mean, it was all bad in the preseason about Jimmy Garoppolo. And then we got to season. The offense was fine. There was nothing wrong. You just had a really good defense on the other yeah. side that he were facing. Hopefully we have that same kind of formula playing itself out now in 2022 yeah and i mean the offense normally starts a little bit slower than defense i mean defense is more reactionary uh they already know what they're supposed to do the offense has got to work on the you know the timing and the chemistry and getting used to all those things so um and then i, I did see that it, you know uh 
Truth said, did did Gray practice? Yeah, Danny Gray practiced. Danny Gray had an opportunity down the field that was missed. Um, they, you know, Sudfeld didn't didn't pull the trigger on that. Um, but I don't think that was the point of practice today to take those shots. I think those things are going to come because Trey wasn't taking those either, which means it's probably a coaching point. Uh, so they were they were going for first read. If it wasn't there, they were checking down the football, and that's okay. That's what the coaching point was today. But, yeah, Danny Gray was out there. Danny Gray stayed after practice and got a little bit of extra work in as well. He was one of those guys working. So his speed is phenomenal. He's going to be making plays this year. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod looks very fast as well. That was a nice welcomed addition from what we saw last year where we basically had Travis Benjamin and then everybody else was – you know, not not exactly speedsters. Uh, so it, it's 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 nice to see those guys out there, and they can definitely create. Um, and there's other guys as well. You know, some other other guys that are going to be making plays as well. But um, yeah, this was a real base offense that they ran today. Um, not surprised by the base offense, and not surprised by them going through the motions. I'm also not surprised that day one of training camp this year, something we didn't see last year that first day, was definitely not. Uh, a check down sort of day. They were definitely still going through installing scripted stuff that very first time that we showed up and, and were at a practice. Um, but but look, I, I think that them going through check downs is trying to get Trey familiar with his reads, what he's seeing. Is it there? No. If not, where are you going? Where Where's your emergency, right? Where is the area that you can dump down to or turn to, to to know to get rid of the football? They're trying to reinstill this in his head so that he's comfortable with it. So that way he doesn't try necessarily go through too much or put too much on his plate. Uh, he tries to get himself into the things he knows, into what he sees, and then to his reserve, right? To his safety valve. Where can you go to quickly get rid of the ball to live to play another day, another down, rather than forcing something else or taking a sack? Yeah, I mean, that's all part of the process, you know, and that was one thing that, you know, Kyle Shannon kind of went over the other day in his press conference. He's talking about Trey Lance, you know, and he's they're saying, you know, he would like him to go to, to option two. Uh, but if it opens up over the middle and he rips off a 10 yard run and gets a first down, uh, he goes, I might be mad for a second that I'm going to get over it real quick. Yeah. Because okay. understanding that moving the sticks <laughs> is the most important thing. So I think they are trying to find their chemistry, Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance, and they're going to figure it out over this training camp and over the practices that happen when training camp closes um, between you know the preseason games and the, and the regular season starting. So I, I think there's a lot of things that are going to happen out of that, and I think we're going to see this offense expand in day two. You know, When we get to Saturday, it'll get a little bit bigger in day three, and I think it's just going to continue to grow until we finally see you know Trey Lance really whipping it. And right now we're in fully scripted you know move-the-ball drills. Um, at some point, it'll be interesting to see if they start calling things different on third and short or whatever, you know, and, and letting Kyle really get after it. And that's when we want to see how Trey operates. Because when it's scripted, Trey's always operated well. Last year when it got into move the balls and it was unscripted, it was a little bit more of a struggle. I look for him to improve a lot this year in that area. And now they've got some weapons to be able to do it. Um, so we'll see how Trey continues to pick up this offense. It's going to come down to that, man. This, the scripted sessions and the scripted stuff is is great. If, if you're supposed to be executing, if you're not executing and doing your job, we got bigger problems. And scripted stuff tends to tends to tends to trend more positively towards the offense because you're scripting plays based on what the defense is running. So your defense, you're trying to make sure that you have your base coverages down, you have your base things down, and then the offense, you can script plays to try and take advantage of things, try and force certain reads, force the ball to go to certain areas, or force you to make reads, look in areas, and then go down to check downs or you know, work on specific types of things. So it tends to trend better for the offense. You're not going to make mistakes. You're not going to turn the ball over as long as you do what we're working on today. Uh, when we get out of that unscripted session is when things get real. That's when it, things become... 
not not just live, but things become issues become apparent, right? Strengths become even more apparent, uh, and areas of exploitation, both for the offense and the defense, um, become areas of of concern or uh, areas of attack. This is something we can consistently do. This is something we need to try and you know implement in with this team going forward. Um, it just highlights certain things. So we'll, we'll get to see more of what that looks like. But someone had asked a little bit ago, Ant, about linebackers. Yeah, and if anybody stood out, if anyone stood out at linebacker, you would let me know that. Uh, a certain certain linebacker that the Niners brought in for special teams purposes looked kind of big and gigantic and semi, somewhat impressive. Yeah, Oren Burks is physically impressive. I mean, the dude is tall. He's I mean, he's lean. He's muscular. He flies around. He's athletic. Um, that dude is is all world getting off the bus. I mean, if you got to have somebody get off the bus first, <laughs> uh, he's got to be one of the first ones. I mean, the dude looks fantastic. That linebacker group looked good. Now I watched them go through a lot of drills. Um, their technique was on point, especially when it was Dre, Fred, and uh, Aziz all working together. They look good. Their drops were fantastic. They were working in one accord. You can tell that that group is just locked in together. It's a fantastic group. And then I watched a lot of Oren Burks and Demetrius Flanagan fouls, and they are definitely the next two best linebackers right now. We'll see if one of these other guys is able to grow uh, and develop, but you can see that there's some guys there that need to uh need to develop, you know, Saguna Luby as a guy that, you know, maybe McCurry Ball as well. Those guys, I watched them a little bit. McCurry Ball definitely looks smaller. It reminds me of watching Marcel Harris play linebacker. Okay. Um, so okay. those those guys are a little bit smaller, um, but they're flying around. They got tremendous speed, but they don't, you know, they're not the get-off-the-bus all-world uh, team. But, um, yeah, the linebackers look pretty good. They look fast, and they were getting after it. The cool thing was it's normally all-pro Fred over there working by himself when everyone else is doing special teams. Sure. Trey Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire have now moved to that area where ah. uh, they're all chilling over there with Fred as well. Oh, that's really nice, and I love seeing that. Yeah. Uh, Bobo with the $2 Super Chat, will we have a top five defense and offense this year? I think a lot of people, a lot of people, Ant, have a lot of confidence that this defense can easily be top five, if not top five already, before they've even played a down. Yeah. That they're in that category. The offense has a lot of things that they're going to need to prove. You have a young offensive line with a lot of question marks, right? You have a running back group that other than Elijah Mitchell, um, I mean, yes, you can say Jeff Wilson Jr., but he's coming off of the big injury. Other than Elijah Mitchell, hasn't done a lot recently in terms of production and value. Uh, and then you have a lot of weapons offensively, but it all has to come together, and it's all got to make sense. It's all got to work. It has the potential to be something special and greater, but even Kyle Shanahan has come out and said, all they want out of Trey is 2019 version of Jimmy right now. That's all they need because of what you have defensively. Yeah, they have a, the defense is tremendous, you know, and if they can get this run game going and you see a, tr you know, a lot of talent at the running back position, Elijah Mitchell can definitely be a thousand yard running back. You know, Jeff Wilson Jr. can get back to helping out the team, whether that's blocking, running, you know, or catching the ball in the backfield. And then you got the young cats, you know, TDP and Trey Sermon that can add in as well, especially on short yards, converting those third downs and in the goal line. Uh, so I, I think that this running back room is good. The questions are along the offensive line, you know, and then right now we just don't know what we're going to get. We got the competition at center between Brendel and Brunskill. That's going to be fun to watch. Uh, but what does that mean for the right guard spot? Is Jalen more ready to roll? Don't know because Spencer Burford's the one taking the snaps. Uh, so until they figure out this interior offensive line, I think there's question marks. But if they do get it figured out, maybe they are really high on Burford. And if Burford's that guy and he's able to step in day one and they feel confident with him being better than Daniel Brunskill, uh, that means that this offensive line is ready to roll. And I can expect them to have a 2019 you know, caliber offensive line because we didn't have a great right guard in 2019. 
Um, that you know that center group wasn't very good. Richburg was good, um, but Garland came in for most of that year. So it's not like Kyle Shannon has had great interior offensive lines in his time in San Francisco. Maybe they can finally develop one with these young guys. Uh, possibly. And I see 49ers Dynasty. He's asked us a few times now. He yeah. said, are you guys fired that. up by the Rams? Because I think they are no threat to us. And he says, do you guys think the Rams could beat us? Um, look, the reality is, is that the Niners handled business in the, in the regular season last year. They were a better roster top to bottom last year. They just had more talent at certain specific positions for the Rams. Like you, your high-end talented players, they have a handful more names than the San Francisco 49ers. But the team top to bottom was not a better football team. That showed in every game that they played, including the playoff game, until the very, very end of that game. The Niners made all the changes you needed to make. You improved at all the positions you need to improve. The Rams got weaker across the board in a lot of spots. They still have the big names, and that will always keep them in football games. Do I think the 49ers can beat them? Absolutely. I don't know if the Rams can beat us consistently, continually, all throughout the regular season, and if we get to playoffs again. That being said, they are the reigning Super Bowl champions. In order to be the best, you have to beat the best, Ant. Am I fired up about it? Absolutely, I'm fired up. But am I worried? No. Uh, yeah, it's as simple. I mean, it, any team can beat anyone on any single day. Absolutely. If, if, if the 49ers have a better roster but don't go out there and play you know, to that level, they don't execute, then yeah, they can get beat. But if they do go out there and execute, you got to believe that they have a better roster top to bottom and you, they can win that football game. So do I think the Niners can beat them? Yeah. Do I? Would I be worried about it? No. I mean, you handle your own business on the field. And from what I saw you know, just today, I saw a tremendous amount of talent that as long as it develops over the next several weeks, uh, the 49ers got to feel pretty confident about what their 53-man roster is going to look like. They're going to be able to get after it. You know, And I saw a great question um, that was from uh, Paul. And it said, how long does it take an offensive line to get and work as one unit? Um, when it comes down to it, I've had offensive lines that I've worked with over the years that sometimes it took a week. Sometimes it took two weeks. Sometimes it took six weeks. Uh, you just don't know. Sometimes it takes till the fourth or fifth game of the season. Yeah, it does. I mean, the good thing is these guys are going to understand what it takes to work together. Um, they know what each other, you know, what each other wants to do. And they have a lot of film time, and they have an experienced coach in Chris Forster that can really work with them and get this uh, figured out. I figure they'll gel pretty quickly. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing because they have a Trent Williams, you know, that's that's stable there. Um, he's going to help if Mike McGlinchey's involved as well. He helps. That's what's so nice about having those bookend guys. And then Daniel Brunskill was on the team as well. So I think they will gel pretty rapidly. Um, so let's see what happens when we get into that, you know, first and second preseason game, and when we see that offensive line for one or two series uh what they look like but uh it can happen quickly but we don't know for sure and it just really depends on how these guys feel chemistry wise look uh, i think what what makes this a lot easier to to gel for them is the fact that you have a mcglinchy and a trent williams if you don't have those two guys on your bookends then the rest of it doesn't matter yeah. it really doesn't because if your center and your guards are playing absolutely phenomenal in the run game and dominating and then anytime you need to drop back and pass pro your bookends can't do anything. Um, they can't do anything in play action. Yeah. Uh, they can't protect for longer than about two seconds. Then it doesn't matter. Like the rest of it will not matter. If your tackles cannot do the do the job you need them to do, um, then then it, it, it makes it really hard, especially with a young rookie quarterback. So you have Trent Williams, who with half of a good leg, and with half with half of a good leg, you're in a great spot. You're in a, an amazing position. Uh, you know, he plays phenomenally both in the run and the pass game. And Mike McGlinchey, who, yes, he does have his issues in pass pro, but it's not off play action. And you're hoping to be able to get to more play action now with Trey Lance and playing under center. And 
relying heavily on this run game that it should play into his strengths as a player. And as long as he's healthy, then you're in a really stable spot on the outside. And it's just about figuring out the run game aspect and the run game stuff. Because it's not like Mike McGlinchey is going to forget how to get up to second level and execute. It's just going to be, is he healthy and can his body allow him to do the things he needs to do? Daniel Brunskill, we know what he can do from the guard position. Now the question is, is he sliding into center? And then from there, Aaron Banks, there were some question marks last year, but you know what? I never really had a lot of question marks with Aaron Banks was the run game aspect. It was really a lot of the pass pro stuff as we went through training camp. So there's really only a few questions that need to be answered on this O-line, one of them being health for you know your right tackle, and the other just being who are the guys that are going to fill in at that center and right guard spot. And you got a lot of names and a lot of talent. And the fact that the first guy up, yes, Jalen Moore moved out to the, the fact that the first guy up is the guy you just drafted in Spencer Burford, a guy that we really liked and said, hey, this guy probably is going to slide into guard and shows great, great power and amazing at getting up to second level and making blocks at the college level at second level. Uh, the fact that he's sliding in at the right guard spot right now, I actually probably signals really positive things for the 49ers in the future, if not right now in the present. Yeah, I mean, it's really nice for him to get those reps. You know what I mean? Just Huge. get that get that chemistry working, and you're you're talking about what could eventually be your right side of your alignment in the future. Burford and Jalen Moore working together in concert. Um, one of them will be right guard. One of them will be right tackle. How how that ends up working out, don't know. I thought the most interesting thing walking in, because we had the Kyle Shanahan comments about Brunskill yesterday. You know, what is Daniel Brunskill? Is he the starting right guard, or is he the center, or is he a, a, a competing for center? And he goes, both. Uh, and, <laughs> and that's what we saw. I mean, when we came sure. out there, I was expecting Daniel Brunskill to get first-team reps at guard and then take center rep, center snaps. That was not the case. He was not at right guard at all. He was playing center, uh, and Brendel was taking the first, you know, first set of snaps, and he was getting the second set of snaps. And so it looks like it's a full-fledged competition. I think that's one takeaway from today um, that's definitely important because we had kind of mentioned that if one of those other guys was capable and ready to play at guard, then Brunskill would be available for competition. It appears right now, and that's right now because we don't know exactly what's going into Chris Forrester's mindset. Tomorrow could change everything. It could change everything, but the belief right now is that, yeah, one of those guys is ready to go or they believe they could be ready to go, and Brunskill's full-fledged in the Brindle competition. So, look, we have a lot of questions that have been answered. D. Ford, gone. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, sayonara, no longer. Trey Lance, QB1 in San Francisco. Jake Brendel, not the foregone conclusion answer at center that people no. were thinking going into this. And now it's looking like you have a competition brewing between Jalen Moore and uh, Spencer Burford at the right guard spot. And what does that leave Colton McKivitz? What does that do for Justin Skill? It's crazy. So many questions being answered, Ant. But because those questions have been answered, new questions now pop up and arise. And new camp battles are going to pop up, which is better for everyone, including us, because you get to look at all those things and figure out what's going on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. We got some stuff, you know, that uh, is going to come up with this offensive line, you know, and one of the questions was about Jason Poe. Uh, Michael Humphrey says, hey, Ant, did you see Jason Poe at camp? Yeah, I did. I saw Jason Poe there. Uh, he was getting after it. You know, Jason Poe was working hard. I think the one thing that's that you can notice right away is what they look like, the difference uh, between Jason Poe and the rest of the guys, you know, and that's one of the question marks I've had with Poe is the length with his arms. I worry about his length because uh, he is six foot one and 300 pounds. Uh, he moves great. I mean, when he was getting to the second level today at practice, there wasn't a lot of reps for him, but when he did it, it was nice. Uh, but the problem is, is right now, I don't know how many reps he's going to get. I don't know, you know, if this guy really has an opportunity to make the team, uh, but athletically, the guy's fantastic. I mean, he, he's, you can tell the difference. He looks like he should be playing defensive line. Uh, he he really does. I mean, that's his body build, and that's how he gets after it. So um, I'm definitely 
I'm definitely excited about Jason Poe, but I don't think he's going to make a, a contribution to the 2022 49ers as far as, you know, during the regular season. I think he could be on the practice squad helping that way. And, and maybe next year he can give it another run. Very true. Uh, Mr. Corey, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to say. Jimmy just brings <laughs> out, the, Jimmy just brings out the worst in some people. Apparently, yeah. uh, was there a silverback sighting? I believe Trent Williams was out there doing his thing. Yeah. Trent Williams is out there. He just, you know, he, he was having a personal day, so he's, you know, he's not really, you know, practicing or anything really, yeah. but, uh, yeah, Trent, Trent's doing his thing. He's going to be just fine. Uh, so it'll be exciting when he gets out there. Now he might have a problem with George Kittle after the whole, uh, bear, you know, grizzly bear versus uh, silverback thing, but uh, uh, yeah, I think that's just high quality, high quality. That's stuff. just Kittle being Kittle, oh, and not just that, man. That's I mean, I'm all for. Give me some silverback, yeah, some silverback gorilla. I'm all for that. Yeah, so some, some bear, some bear gorilla merch. I mean, I'm all. I'm you're all, you're all with that. I'm all with that. Yeah. So I mean, tomorrow will be uh, tomorrow will be fun though, because we'll see what they do with the offensive line if. You know, they start working anyone in because, you know, when they, they sometimes they'll work those guys in when they have a day off. Uh, sure. They'll work a guy in knowing they're going to have a day off because, you know, they're going to have days that they're not going to be out there. You know, McGlinchey, Kinlaw, and uh, Al Shire are going to be managed over the next, you know, few weeks. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. But this interior offensive line hopefully is going to take more shape as we get into pads, if it's going to be Brunskill or Brindle, I think that will, once it once that gets determined, that will help decide the guard spot because if, if Brunskill is really floating out there and only going to be in the center mix, then he's also in the swing tackle mix. Absolutely. Uh, and that would change some things because you got Colton McKivitz, who was playing left tackle today. You got uh, Justin Skule, who was getting snaps there as well. So there's going to be a decision on that swing tackle job, and that could prevent one of them from making the team uh, or both of them from making the team. So Colton McKivitz was on the outside, Moore was on the outside, and I kind of expected to see both of them in the interior. Uh, very true, Ant. It's, it's very, very true. A 49ers faithful forever asks, how did Jennings look out there today? Did you see any of Jawan Jennings? Yeah, I did. I saw I saw Jawan Jennings. There wasn't a lot of things Jawan Jennings was doing. When he was going through his drills, he looked good. Of course, blocking, uh, he was getting after it physically. But when it came to time for 11-on-11, 11 11, that secondary was clamping those guys down. The quarterbacks didn't have a lot of time, so they were checking it down. So there wasn't a lot of production from Jawan Jennings, uh, you know, or any of the other you know first team guys. So I, I think that you know right now Jennings is playing wide receiver two with uh, Debo Samuel not practicing with the team, and I expect his involvement to increase, especially once Cowshin and kind of expands this offense. Uh, so we'll see when they get into unscripted sessions what happens and and how much. Juwan starts making plays because last year uh, he was starting to create separation and starting to make plays in training camp. Uh, agreed. And Asai YT Gaming, welcome to the Cutback Crew. Thank you for the yeah, subscription. Yeah, what's up? Welcome. We, we appreciate that. Uh, and look, at the end of the day right now, uh, a lot of getting getting a good idea of where all these guys are and where everyone's fitting in the offense right now is going to be very hard because it's scripted. It's all scripted stuff. You're working on specific things. You're trying to get the base in. Um, for fans, it's exciting because you, you're getting to actually see football again and from, from the sounds of it, it, it was a packed house today at Levi Stadium, which is always great. You love the faithful showing out in full force and, and supporting this football team. But it's going to be a little bit of a slow build here and a slow burn. These first few days are going to be a, a little bit more on the boring side for some people. Um, and for other people, they're just going to enjoy the fact that football is officially back, baby. And that's the most important part. Yeah, football was back and there was a tremendous energy around the practice field. Uh, everyone was about it. You know, everyone was cheering on the team. Everyone was excited to see, you know, Jimmy Ward and, and uh, you know, Fred Warner and all those guys. I mean, we were up close and personal to pretty much all of them. And it was an exciting time. And it's a good time to get out there. And, you know, the fact that Kyle kept first practice to 
an hour and 15 minutes. Um, it was, it was, the practice was over. It was like 1145. It's like, whoa. Uh, and you what know, the time go? it's supposed to be 1215. So maybe they'll get longer practices. We'll get, you know, more things as we get farther into the week. I expect them to ramp it up a little bit tomorrow. So I'll be excited about that and seeing what's going on with all those guys. Uh, absolutely, man. It's going to be exciting. And if you don't want to miss any more coverage, any more 49ers training camp coverage, any coverage on this team at all, hit the subscribe button right now. Hit that like button if you have not already and hit that notification bell. That way you're notified when we go live. You're notified if this gentleman decides to go live from Levi's or yeah, something along those lines. You never know. You won't want to miss any updates that are coming your way. So make sure that you're subscribed today. We are on the quest for 3,000 subs. Thank you so much for that, Gary. You are not wrong in that regard. Um, and yeah, you don't want to miss any of this because a lot of things are going to come out of this. A lot more questions still to be answered regarding the 49ers and this team going forward as we inch closer to the first preseason game of the year. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. You know, tomorrow I'm going to be out there. So if something happens, you know, I'll make sure I try to get out there. But I'll for sure be ready to talk about it tomorrow as well. It's going to be fun, you know, and I plan on be I'm going to be out there on Saturday, too. I'm just going to. I'm just going to make a living out there at the practice field. You know, they don't need to don't need to move me. I'll just sleep here because uh, I want to get out there and I want to watch and I want to see everything that's going on. And there's going to be a lot of cool storylines that come. And we know because when we watched it last year, guys are going to get moved as this as this True. practices begin. True. Things are going to change. So the things you see today are going to be a little bit different tomorrow, you know, and, and, and Saturday and next week as well. Things are going to change. People are going to start getting positions. And when we get in the pads, um, that's when we'll really see what happens in the trenches. Uh, very true. It's going to be very exciting. We'll see if there's more information. A Jimmy trade coming down the pipe. We have the D Ford release day one. Kyle Shanahan fulfills a, fulfills the the prophecy, I guess, when he said that he didn't see a future with D Ford. That future is officially gone. It's it's bunk. It's it's no more. D Ford out in San Francisco. A lot of day one breaking news, and you won't want to miss day two. We'll see you all tomorrow for more coverage of the 49ers training camp day two ant. And until the next one, cut back crew and the faithful. Stay safe. Remember the right way. It is always the 49ers way. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.